This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. I'm Cecilia Lay, and this is Fifth Emission. Last week was a big Brooke Jenkins news week. It started on Monday when the new district attorney joined me for a sit-down to talk about some of her controversial policy positions. Those include charging juveniles as adults and cash bail. Being a progressive prosecutor is not simply turning turning your, your head away from the law, right? It's not saying I'm not going to enforce the law. It's saying I'm going to figure out different forms of accountability that still get us to the same place, which is public safety. Then the next day, news broke that honed in on something else, her ethics. The San Francisco Standard reported that Jenkins had been paid six figures as a consultant for a nonprofit linked to a political organization that had bankrolled the recall of Chesa Boudin. He was her boss before she resigned from the DA's office in October of 2021. Jenkins has maintained since then that she quit her job as a former prosecutor to volunteer for the recall effort. This news brought all of that into close scrutiny. On Monday morning, Jenkins paid another visit to the Chronicle newsroom, this time, she sat with Damien Bolwa, the Chronicle's director of news and the co-host of Fifth Emission, as well as columnist Heather Knight and crime reporter Megan Cassidy. Jenkins wanted to make a distinction between her paid consultancy work with her role as a volunteer for the recall Chase of Boudin effort. She says the latest controversy shouldn't be as salacious as it has been made out to be. The other thing that has really offended me is this sort of aura that somebody discovered this, that they uncovered it somewhere, you know, uh, through, through a secret investigation. I handed this yeah. to the public. I did what I was obligated to do, which was reported on my Form 700. Nobody uncovered this. I gave it to them because that's what I was supposed to do. Today on Fifth Emission, you'll hear what else Jenkins had to say about the controversy in her conversation with Damien, Heather, and Megan. You'll also hear her thoughts on her opponents, Notably, former police commissioner John Hamasaki, who just entered the race on Friday. I'm joined now by my co-host, Damian Bulwa, now in the guest seat for a change in his role as director of news and Chronicle reporter Megan Cassidy to chat about the latest from Jenkins. Damian, let's start with you. What brought Brooke Jenkins into the Chronicle newsroom on Monday morning? This came because as we are now a little more than a month into Brooke Jenkins' tenure after she was appointed by the mayor, as she's talking about all these policy issues, all of a sudden a controversy erupted. And that was that she turned in her Form 700, that's a statement of economic interest, she revealed that she had made quite a bit of money from a nonprofit group. It's called Neighbors for a Better San Francisco. And that group is closely connected to another group, another nonprofit, but it's a little different. This one can partake in political activity, and that's the group that was heavily involved in trying to recall Brooke Jenkins' predecessor, Chase Boudin. She maintains that she was indeed a volunteer, and she did some other work for this nonprofit, but her critics say that, no, 
they maintain that, that she misrepresented herself. She wasn't really a volunteer. Okay, so what prompted the second visit to the Chronicle newsroom? What did Jenkins want to share with you? So last week when this news broke, she had uh, released a couple of statements saying that this work was separate. We had asked a lot of questions. We wrote a lot of stories. We broke this down. But we had asked her all along to come in and deal with it on the record. We want to know not only her side of the story, but we want to know what she did. What work did she do for this nonprofit group that's supposedly separate from the recall? So we invited her to share that. She decided to come in and speak fully on the record about her work for the group, the non-political group. Got it. So, Megan Cassidy, Jenkins has been accused of basically being compensated by the recall campaign, but she's asserting here that she actually did work for a separate effort. Can you break it down for us? What did DA Jenkins say she was being paid to do? What work did she actually do for that nonprofit, Neighbors for a Better San Francisco? So this is really, I think, what the crux of our interview was with her. She said that she was advising the neighbor's nonprofit about various things, and that includes analyzing crime data and the impact of certain laws on uh, the criminal justice system in San Francisco. Specifically, this includes Prop 47 and statutory diversion programs. And she said that there were over 80 cases in which she provided an analysis for. One thing that we don't know, though, is really any more specifics than this. Jenkins has declined to provide any sort of work product to the Chronicle, saying that it's protected by attorney-client privilege. And so the mention, though, that she did a work analysis on Prop 47 is interesting, though, because it comes with this backdrop of a huge debate that is still going on in California. And to step back, Prop 47 was a 2014 ballot measure that reduced the penalties for several thefts and drug crimes from felonies to misdemeanors in California. That law continues to be debated in California, with some people saying that it's an important reform measure, others feeling that it's too soft on crime. In our interview, Jenkins said that she largely supports the law, but she thinks that some provisions of it make it difficult to hold repeat offenders accountable. Saddling people with felonies for more low-level nonviolent crimes, right, is something we want to avoid. Felonies have a profound impact on your ability to be a, a, what I call sort of a full citizen in our society. Mm-hmm. One area where it's really hampered us is uh, chronic offenders of retail theft. Um, where we can't elevate after a certain point, um, after a certain number of convictions, a subsequent crime to a felony. And so, uh, you know, I, I think overall Prop 47 has been the correct thing to do. She said she does not know where uh, the neighbor's organization, what their opinion is on the issue, or it, what they plan to do with her analysis. So Jenkins, from the start, has maintained that she quit her job as a prosecutor in Boudin's office to volunteer for the Boudin recall effort. But now this work that Megan's describing here, Damien, she was paid quite handsomely for this. And the headlines have said that she was paid more than $100,000, six figures. Tell me how valuable was this consulting work? So she told us that she worked for this group from about December through early July of this year, 25 to 30 hours a week, and made $153,000, which is pretty good pay for that work. Obviously, as Megan said, there's going to be some questions about the nature of that work because Prop 47 is so controversial. But she's saying it was separate. 
On the other side, that's not going to satisfy some people because what they're going to say is that you had this really powerful spokesperson in the Chase Boudin recall. They really wanted her on board. She's this prosecutor for within the office. She brings this dynamic voice to say, I was there. And what people are going to say is that the recall campaign essentially provided that work through this other arm of the group. And Damien, did she cite any personal motivations for taking on that consulting work? I mean, she mostly talked about it as as needing to work. She needs to provide for her family. She said, you know, I don't have a lot of money. My family doesn't have enough money to survive if we're not working. I wanted to tell the voters what was going on. I wanted them to know and understand that. Uh, but at the same time, I'm the highest income earner in my family. So I was very realistic about the fact that I needed to continue working to support um, not only our two kids, but I have a stepdaughter as well. When the opportunity presented itself for me to do the consulting work, I thought that was a way that I could both provide for my family, but still have the flexibility, one, to be available um, when I was needed to, to you know, give an interview or to speak, um, but also uh, that I wouldn't be hampered in my ability to continue speaking out. We asked her, you know, what about the people you work for? Now, these, these are people who obviously probably want to have a say in the work of the district attorney's office. She said, one, that she didn't know she was going to be district attorney back when she took the job. You can take that uh, for what it's worth in terms of what you believe the thought process was there. She also said, I'm not going to be influenced by anyone moving forward. So she basically said that the people behind both the political group and the nonprofit do not have any extra sway over me now. Like I said, that work for me was a means to pay bills for my family um, and put shelter, you know, provide shelter for my kids. It was nothing more than that. It had no bearing on my position on this recall, on my perspective on the work that Chase was doing um, and, and the way that he was failing this city. Um, and it certainly has no bearing on the way that I do this job now. And one of the people that has been in close scrutiny here is William Obendorf. He's the conservative billionaire that bankrolled the recall effort and is also tied to this nonprofit that paid her for her consulting work. Megan, how did she describe her relationship to him? She said that this is not a close relationship, that she has never met him in person, that they had a handful of Zoom meetings that also included uh, several other people. Uh, she noted that after she was appointed by Mayor Breed to the district attorney's office position that he called to congratulate her. She stressed that she is not influenced by William Obendorf or anyone um, and that his opinions are not swaying her role as a district attorney. At the same time, Damien, we know, you know, Brooke Jenkins is savvy. She's clearly a very smart woman, but she had to be aware of the optics of what that relationship looks like, right? I mean, those those two organizations are linked by same address, a same name. How did she explain that? Yeah, I mean, she knew. Uh, she she said on the question about Oberndorf, she said that, you know, he wasn't the only person in the organization. And many of the others are indeed San Francisco Democrats. They are obviously more moderate. They're closer to the politics of a Mayor London Breed, more so than Chase Boudin or some of the mayor's progressive critics. So, uh, you know, she said that that she was comfortable enough with the group to do it. It was also a job that she needed. But she also said that, you know, she didn't think of the 
of the consequences down the line. She was sort of saying, in my own mind, I felt I could keep them separate. I didn't realize that others wouldn't trust me to do so. I don't think I really thought of it that way, to be to be frank. Um, everything that I said was based on my experience um, and based on Chase's decisions and the way that Chase had managed that office and, quite honestly, the policies that he that he put forth. And so... For me, the two were so separate, um, and the fact that they that I was doing separate work for them was irrelevant. You know, in politics, again, I mean, you can judge that as you will, but she said that basically as the recall progressed, she's the spokesperson that's out there, and she says that's when she started to get more serious about it. And then Cecilia, we should say, we asked her. They knew they had to file this Form 700. They knew that this was going to come out, and they actually knew that it was going to land this way. They started to prep, talk about what the meaning was. More with Damian Bulwa and Megan Cassidy after a quick break. Coming up, District Attorney Brooke Jenkins shares her thoughts on one of her opponents who just entered the race, John Hamasaki. Later, he'll respond to her defense of the controversy. We'll be right back. You can support the newsroom that creates Fifth Emission by signing up for unlimited access at sfchronicle.com slash pod or by downloading the San Francisco Chronicle app. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it a real POS? You need Shopify for retail from accepting payments to managing inventory Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. I'm talking to crime reporter Megan Cassidy and Fifth Emission co-host Damian Bulwa, who's in his role as the Chronicle's director of news. We're discussing District Attorney Brooke Jenkins's defense of the paid consulting work she did for a nonprofit. That organization had ties to the Chase of Boudin recall campaign and the conservative billionaire who was a major funder. Megan, Jenkins leaned on the argument in your conversation with her that she is a newcomer to politics. We know she was a prominent figure in the Recall Boudin campaign as a volunteer spokesperson. And she says she didn't really know what her role would grow into. Let's take a listen. I actually didn't know the scope of sort of what the spokesperson role was going to look like. Uh, At the time, it was more of, um, it sounded like more of, we might need you to do debates with Chesa, um, you know, you might have to, you know, speak at certain events here and there. Um, it morphed pretty quickly, though. That's when I kind of realized sort of the the bigger role this was going to be. Megan, what do you make of her explanation there? People have been critiquing her motivations from the beginning, but here she is saying that she was a bit naive on how her own prominence would play out. What do you think? I think at this point, even Brooke Jenkins realizes that there is, at the very least, an appearance of a conflict of interest. And, you know, she said she was naive at the beginning, but when we asked her when this news is about to break, when this Form 700 was about to go public, were you bracing? for this. And she said yes. She she knew how uh, her critics were going to perceive it. Um, the big question, though, is will this affect voters? 
will this change any minds of the people who would have voted for her? Are they now going to vote for John Hamasaki or for Joe Elliott over an AC or vice versa? It's it's just unclear whether this is going to play a role in the upcoming election. Damien, speaking about John Hamasaki, he's a criminal defense attorney, a former San Francisco police commissioner who just filed paperwork to join the DA's race. He's been a very vocal critic of the recall. He's known for being sort of provocative and sometimes combative on Twitter. Let's listen to what Jenkins has to say about Hamasaki throwing his hat in the ring. I think what's at stake right now is not only another version of Chesa and somebody who wants to push Chesa's agenda, but actually is far more extreme than Chesa, if I'm honest with you. I mean, to ha- for somebody in this race to have said in writing, you should defund the DA's office, you don't get it. You don't, you don't get what this work is about. You don't understand the impact that this work has on our city, on our economy, and quite frankly, on the victims. And on all the people that we try to prevent from being victims tomorrow. So, Damien, it's not surprising that the DA race is going to be very contentious, very charged. What do you think Jenkins is indicating about her campaign in the months ahead, especially now with Hamasaki as an opponent? Well, I think right off the bat, it shows that she's willing to fire at Hamasaki. She's not going to hold back, even though some people might advise her, hey, you don't need to to go after your opponent. Uh, you have probably a lead in this election. You've just been appointed. You've got a pretty good runway. But but no, she's she's going to fire at him. He's going to fire back at her. So we are looking at potentially a pretty ugly election and, and they're going to go after each other. So we know that. Uh, we also know that we're going to see a debate that's at least somewhat similar to to Jenkins versus Boudin because Hamasaki is in the progressive camp. He's a big critic of police, even on the police commission. He's a fairly rare as a police commissioner uh, to, to be a police critic. You don't see a lot of those. Um, and he also is big on Twitter. He's already deleted a lot of tweets because he likes to really riff and let it rip. He's kind of a provocateur. This shows that Brooke Jenkins is going to go after his history of, of riffing on Twitter, and he's going to do the same. He's going to say that she is taking the, the city in a conservative direction, and he's going to see if if voters respond to that. So in this interview that you both had with Jenkins, she really described this latest controversy as a distraction from the real issues of public safety. That is what she said is at the core of why she's in this work. That's what's important. Here she is explaining that. I've dedicated the last eight years of my life to serving the city and to keeping it safe. And so they don't want to discuss that. They don't want to discuss the work, right? They want to distract and say, well, we take issue with who paid you because because of what? It has nothing to do with anything. Bill Obendorf, neighbors, none of those people have any influence on me. I'm going to have probably thousands of people donate to my campaign. They don't. The only way anyone gets to influence what I do is if they're a voter, because I I represent the people. And so those are the people that get to dictate what they believe the values within our office should be. And that's it. What do you both think? Was Jenkins's visit to the newsroom enough to defend herself from this controversy Did either of you find her answers satisfying? Well, we really can't judge her answers. I mean, I think we're going to be we're going to keep looking into it 
at the Chronicle. We're going to look into her work. We're going to look into the organizations involved. That's what we do. But but I think larger than that, that that I think voters need to look at both, and and we're going to cover both. So we're going to cover the policy issues. There's some really interesting issues involved, from charging juveniles as adults, cash bail, which is a big debate nationally, just in general how these prosecutors want to approach criminal defendants and and what they feel about incarceration what they feel about treatment programs these are big issues on the other hand you know this issue this form 700 this work that Brooke Jenkins did it's also important because it was a big part of the story she told when she left that office under Boudin, she became a volunteer, as she said, spokesperson. This was a big part of the arc that led her to be chosen by Mayor London Breed. So it's important, too. It goes to credibility. It goes to the trust. And and, and we'll see whether she's uh, harmed that trust with voters. I think another really important thing to look out for in the future is um, if we could ever get more clarification on what – are her opinions on Prop 47. Uh, we, we've been told that we cannot get this work product. Um, this was an apparently an analysis of the effects of Prop 47. Um, and I think that we could really learn a lot about her prosecutorial philosophies by seeing this, this type of work that she did prior to being uh, either appointed by Breed or maybe later elected by San Franciscans. Lots to scrutinize in the months ahead. Damien, Megan, thanks for the update. I appreciate the time. Thank you. Thanks for having us. Damien Bulwa is the director of news at The Chronicle and the co-host of Fifth Emission. Megan Cassidy is a crime reporter. Their interview with District Attorney Brooke Jenkins was conducted with columnist Heather Knight. You can find a story about that interview online now at sfchronicle.com and on The Chronicle app. The Chronicle reached out to DA candidate John Hamasaki for a comment in response to Jenkins's defense of the controversy. On Monday, he said Jenkins should provide documentation of her work on Proposition 47 for the nonprofit. I get the sense that uh, it took her a week to come up with this uh, particular version of events. There's nothing substantiating it. Uh, it doesn't... Um, build much confidence in the the truth of what she's asserting. I think the only thing that we've seen as far as work or work product from Ms. Jenkins has been uh, her work as the face of the recall. He adds that Jenkins' work with William Oberndorf, the billionaire linked to the nonprofit that paid her, should, quote, raise questions for all San Franciscans. Thanks to King Kaufman for the edits and the production help, to Mallory Mensch for the interview audio from John Hamasaki, and to you for listening.